Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the TT Podcast, the only pro cycling podcast presented by two people called Tom. I, Tom, am joined as always by my co-host Tom for an episode of what I think you would call in corny Sky Sports English, Transfer Talk or the Transfer Centre or something like that. Anyway, Tom, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year. Thank you. We're back. It's been a while. Um, I'm good. Yeah, had a had a good Christmas, uh, went away, was very cold. I went to Sweden and now I'm back in Scotland where it's also quite cold. But So yeah, uh, all good. That's good. What, what was the, uh, the the motive behind going to Sweden for Christmas? My uncle lives in Sweden. Uh, <laughs> as good as any really, that, isn't it? Yeah, he's lived in Stockholm for, I don't know, 30, 40 years. So yeah, he's more Swedish than he is English at this point, I think. He, wow. I actually, while we were there, he, I did make him listen to this. So he might be a listener now, so uh, I won't say too much about him. Is he a cycling fan? No. Well, this is going to be very impenetrable for him then, isn't it? <laughs> Um, Tom, have you picked up the, the two bits of cycling news that have come out today regarding FDJ and Jumbo Visma? Uh, I think I've picked up the FDJ one. I'm not sure what the Jumbo Visma one is. So it's it's all about, basically, it's along the same lines. And we'll get into the transfer stuff in a minute, but I want to kind of breach this first. Of teams announcing their Grand Tour rosters or their Grand Tour leaders six months before a Grand Tour. Um, obviously, FDJ have announced that Pino will be going to the Tour de France this year. And, a week after he said he'd be targeting the Giro. Yeah, and Jumbo Visma have said that they're going to go with joint leaders in Roglic and Vinegar. Oh, that is interesting. I did not know that. That's really interesting. Well, I saw that and I was like, well, one, why would you announce that now? Two, obviously you kind of have to go with Vinegar for a leader because he came second last year. Um, and also, why don't you just keep that up your sleeve? Like, who needs to know you've got joint leaders? Well, I don't know how you can possibly plan something this far out, especially uh, with the world the way it is at the moment with COVID. But even normally, you know, you, you've got no idea what someone's fitness and state of, uh, I was going to say state of mind, but I guess that matters. But, you know, just there, there could be so many illnesses, injuries, whatever that come into play between now and then that I don't understand. Yeah, okay, it's something to aim for, but there's no way you can commit and say, this is our team for this race now. Exactly, which is the, the reason why I think they've done it which is probably as obvious as ever, is that uh, it's some sort of media ploy to get people hyping up their riders in January, in which case it has worked because we've led with it at the top of this episode. That would be the cynic in you talking, but probably absolutely correct. But also on the Pino stuff, right? He came out and said, right, maybe I'm going to target the Giro more feasible for me. The Tour de France is getting a bit out of reach. You know, you know let's not fool ourselves. This is a French team. He is a big French rider. He is obviously going to be going to the big French race of the year. I guess we look at it from a different perspective because if Ineos made that sort of announcement now and said this is our team for the Tour de France, it would get no coverage in this country at all. But you know the the whole atmosphere surrounding cycling, especially for the Tour in France, is probably quite different. Yeah, and I think it was probably a bit naive of us to think that Pino wouldn't be going to the Tour de France when he's fit again. Um, given how sorely missed he was last year and given that they probably didn't get as much hype at the time with Godou leading the team. No, definitely not. They have. I, there's one interesting transfer to FDJ that I've made note of that we'll talk about later. But uh... well, go on, You know what, go on then. Let's get into um, the transfer talk. Um, the, the, I guess TT in a way. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't made that connection. But no, I'd only just noticed that. You're, but, you're, not, uh... you're not wrong. Both words do start with a T. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Which I think I know who you're talking about, but go on, lay it out for us. Who are you excited about with uh, with FDJ? Uh, it was um, Canton Pache was the one I was looking at. Um, oh, I wasn't thinking about him. I, well, his name just stuck out because he was 
he was one of them. I think he was, was he at B&B Hotels last year? I think was basically just instructed to be in the break every single day and more or less was and obviously got the sponsors some airtime because I've remembered who he was and he looked very promising and I just thought that was a move that makes complete sense. He's, he's one of those moves where I just thought I'm surprised he wasn't there already or yeah. hadn't been with them already. Um, I, I'm more excited about Michael Storer at FDJ actually this I season. did see that one as well, but yeah. He was electric at the end of last season in the Vuelta. I think he won the, if I'm not mistaken, won the polka dot jersey. Can you confirm that? I can't confirm that. Um, we'll so, leave that one out there. If, yeah, if anyone wants that. to confirm that, do that. Or just, you know, take what we say as gospel. That's fine. I mean, that'll probably serve him quite well when Pino drops out in week one and he's uh, all of a sudden the leader for the tour as well. Right. Okay. This is not going to turn into you bashing the French again. I thought this would be a new year, perhaps a new outlook on French cycling and already you're descending into uh, into this. To be fair, that wasn't meant as a dig at the French. I've just talked up Canton Pache. But um, Pino, that that year when he just looked absolutely clear of the field on the Tourmalet and then had to drop out two days later, I was like, no, that's it. That's your, that's your attempt at the Tour de France done. You're clearly not going to win this race. Just, you know, move on. Um, who would you say, Tom, that you are most excited about this season in terms of transfers? The the one transfer that really, as in in terms of an individual rider rather than a team, because I think there's some teams that have made three or four really good moves that set them up well. Um, but the one that really shocked me and I think will be really interesting is Dylan Groenewegen to Bike Exchange. Go on then. Well, that just came from nowhere. Um, I wasn't I wasn't really expecting that. They didn't seem like a team who were really set up for a big sprinter. Uh, he's Dutch and the rest of them are pretty much all Australian normally as well. Um, but I think they've, you know, they've, they've gone behind him because then Esteban Chavez has left to go to, uh, he's gone to EF, I think, hasn't he? He has. He has. Um, and he was obviously, they, they tend to be a team that targets stage wins, but they've never really had the out and out, well, not since Caleb Ewan left anyway, uh, the out and out sprinter who could, um, who could compete right at the sharp end of a bunch. And instead, you know, they would go with um, whichever one of the Yates brothers is there and Chavez as their climbers who um, in the mountains. And I think this is represents just a complete change in approach for them. Well, this is the thing. I mean, they had Michael Matthews, who was obviously a sprinter, but they've kind of, or at least he himself has transitioned out of that sprinting role into a more kind of puncher role. And I, I would agree with that. I don't think they're completely set up for a sprint train or anything. So I imagine they're just going to say to Dylan, Go in there, fend for yourself, follow whoever you think is going to be finding the good line. Basically, go in and follow Michael Morku is probably the advice they've given him. Mm. Um, but, you know, hopefully that means that we'll see Dylan Gronewegen back at his best with with license to uh, to attack in the in the sprint stages. Yeah, I mean, because as a sprinter, I don't think there's anyone with a higher top speed than him. Uh, he might not have the sharpest kick, but once he's up to speed, I think he's really quick. <laughs> I agree. I think he's been off this past year and a bit for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, but I think I, it's definitely hopeful that if he can get himself back up to speed, if you pardon the pun, then um, he could be really beneficial for them. Especially, I, I don't think they took very many World Tour wins last season. I can't think of very many off the top of my head, maybe like two or three. And he's somebody that in a season could easily get you five or six, just himself. Yeah, I mean, well, he's won on the Champs-Élysées before. I was there. Well, there we go. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, do you want to know who I'm most excited about, Tom? 
I do, because you had there was a bit of a look of surprise on your face when I said Grenovagen. So I think you've got something very different lined up. Yeah, but you know what? This is good. It's good that people have different outlooks on the Pro Peloton, that we're all just not excited about the same people. Um, I've is got it Brian two... Cockard to Cofidis? It's not, but I've got that noted. <laughs> um, I have two that I'm most excited about. One of them very biased, which is James Shaw back on the world tour with Education First. Um, and the second one, is Rowan Dennis to Jumbo Visma, which I think is genuinely probably going to be the most tactically influential transfer we will see this year. Um, I just think it's a really good move. I mean, he has shown himself to be a really great domestique at Grand Tours, um, which would be good for Roglic or Vinegar's Tour de France bid. Likewise, he could also be that missing cog that will get them the Tour de France. And if he is, and if they've, they've found him for that exact reason, then it's a masterstroke. Um, I think it, it kind of changes a few other things in the team. It will probably free up Wout van Aert because so far Wout van Aert's job at Grand Tours has been to sprint when he can, but his main duty has been to plow into the bottom of mountains, set up for Kuss to take over as they get higher up in altitude. Now, Dennis has done that for Ineos. Uh, he did that when he set up the, the Giro for Teo to win, which is plowing into mountains at a pace that the others couldn't hold. Well, for me, it just makes complete sense because Tony Martin's retired as well and he looks like a, just a like-for-like replacement for that. Yeah, that's true as well. I hadn't um, even thought of it like that. So he just goes in straight away as maybe not the you know the same leader on the road sort of status that Tony Martin had because he was a, you know, Tony Martin was just a proper captain in every sense of the word. But in terms of just that ability to just hammer out a rhythm as a, you know, experienced and very strong time trialist, I think Rowan Dennis makes complete sense there yeah i agree um i think in terms of you mentioned how t certain teams have done well uh there are two that i'd mentioned one of them being the team that rowan dennis has left ineos grenadiers and the second one being ef education easy post i think it is now um i'll list you some of the, the riders that they've signed in and note that these are all what i would refer to as very ef riders in the sense mm -hmm. they fit that ef mold of just being very likable to the masses, quite pleasant riders, bit smiley, also a little bit edgy. So we've got Odd Christian Eiking, if you remember him from the Welter, um, Owain Dool, Mark Pudden, and the most EF rider of all, as you have mentioned already, Esteban Chavez. Now, when he signed for EF, he was one of those riders that everybody just said, sorry, wait, I thought he rode for EF anyway, because he's just really, really fits the mould there. Do you know he's older than Nairo Quintana? This is a, quite a well-laboured stat, I think. He I know, is. and whenever I see it, I'm, they, they look there looks to be about 20 years difference between them. I cannot believe it whenever I see it. Whenever I see it, I have to check it, and then my history comes up with, you've searched this four times already yeah. this year, what are you doing? <laughs> um, Tom, I've actually got a game for you here. Oh, It is on that vein of riders who you think have probably raced for teams that haven't. Okay. So it's, it's what I'm going to call the Esteban Chavez game. So we'll start. I've got two teams here. We'll start with EF and obviously its predecessors, Cannondale and Garmin Sharp. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to name you a rider and you're going to give me a simple yes or no as to whether they have ridden for EF or one of its predecessors. Okay. Interesting. Okay. You ready? I'm, I'm ready. Rowan Dennis. No. He has. Well, he was he was at BMC before. 
He's he's been a bit, he's actually a bit of a journeyman, Roman Dennis. That's um, he winds up everyone he ever is on a team with. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, there is actually rumours that he's fallen out of Ineos this time, but I'm not going to get into the gossip of it. <laughs> um, we right, we can't linger on these. We've got there's quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Squeens. Uh, yes, he has correct. Uh, Dylan Van Barla. No, he has ridden <sighs> for. I think it was Cannondale at the time. Um, Michael Matthews. No, never. He hasn't. Correct. Um, Mate Mohoric. Uh, I mean, I've got the gut says yes because Mohoric could have been anywhere, and I wouldn't have known. Uh, so yeah, I'm going with yes, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a no. Well, your gut would be correct. Yeah, he has. He rode for in the Cannondale era when they wore the the green kits. Uh, two more. For EF, Chad Hager or Chad Hager? Surely. No. North, and North no, American. He hasn't. And he was the one that I was like, surely he's ridden for them. A hundred percent definitely has, but he never has. Um, and finally, Jonathan Vorters himself. Oh. Did he ride for the team? Uh, yes. He didn't. No, okay. <laughs> but again, he's another one of those that really fits the mould. Well, I just would have thought you tend to go on to be the DS for teams that you're involved in when you're a rider as well. So, yeah, it would be, it would make sense, but apparently not in this case. Um, then the other team I wanted to do with you was Quick Step and its previous denominations, which have basically all been some sort of sponsorship around the word Quick Step. Quick okay. Step, they make floors, don't they? That's all that, as, that, as, as the biggest sponsor within cycling and Patrick Lefebvre can never shut up. I still, the only thing I know is that Quickstep make some sort of ceramic floor or something. It's one of those things that your mind just automatically, as soon as you hear the word Quickstep, it automatically goes to that word floors. Maybe not. Yeah, but it's not like everyone knows Wanty make concrete and they've barely been on the tour. For... I'm not sure everybody knows Wanty make concrete. Oh, is, is it just us? I think it's just you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you you get those really good Bora adverts for those like seamless kitchen fan filters. So everyone knows what they make. You know, I'm always, whenever I'm in like a hotel or something, I'm always slightly kind of amazed or in awe whenever I see they've got a hands grow shower. Yeah, I know. It's brilliant. It's German engineering, isn't it? I think that's even on the adverts they say that. No, that's the Alperson adverts because that's German engineering for your hair. Ah, because I want to keep my hair. Yeah, the caffeine shampoo. <laughs> that's the one. Um, anyway, quick step. I've got a few riders here. Same rules as, as before. Have they ridden for quick step? Oh, it's yes. the same game. Okay, I'm ready. Same game. It's the, the Esteban Chavez game. It applies across cycling. Okay. Everyone's ridden for quick step. This, this is the trick, isn't it? <laughs> so the first one, Tish Bunut. I've actually got him listed on my uh, transfers here, but uh, Tish Benut's never ridden for Quick Step, no. You say that quite confidently. Yeah, well, you've just you've got to go all in. He hasn't. Yeah, and that's not why ridden for Quick Step. I, I was I, think, I was very confident. I think when you look at Belgian riders, it's only really him and maybe Wout van Aert are the only ones that have never ridden for Quick Step. <laughs> when you think of the top of your head, Thomas de Gent has. He rode for them in the Amiga Farmer days. Yeah, I'm um, thinking of Bernan, Gilbert. Yeah, exactly. They've all, they've all been there. <laughs> Yeah, they they applied their trade there. Uh, next one, Max Shackman. Uh, Shackman, no, he has. Nah. Matteo Trenton. Yeah, definitely has. He definitely has. Yeah, correct. Uh, Sylvain Dillier. 
got yes he hasn't but again he, he i feel like he fits the quick step mold maybe it's just because i i don't know i could just see him in that swiss champs jersey quick step shorts mm. but it's all fabricated it's all fabricated in my mind yeah i'm not sure i go with that one okay uh and finally wout poles i'm gonna say no well, you would be wrong, Tom. He has uh, ridden for quick step. It's not gone well then, has it? Yes, I, look, I wasn't counting them. And I know that on this podcast, I've got a very bad history of counting correctly. Um, <laughs> but I think you probably did less than half marks there. Yeah, well, I was hoping, you know, if you give me the big names, I could. There was some, a few more rogue riders in there that I was expecting. So, And I'm not happy with the Chad Hager one. So I know, it, it threw me as well. Um. Let's move back into to some transfer talk, back into some TT, Tom. And talking about TT, we've got some big TT specialists that have gone to Ineos, Ineos Grenadiers. Look, Tom, I'm not going to claim to have seen a lot of Lucas Plapp or Ben Tallett or Magnus Sheffield racing, but I know that people are very excited about them going to Ineos Grenadiers. Um, I know that Plapp has got a very good track record and that he is a belter of a time trialist. And... I think you and I both know that he will now have some very specialised tutelage at the Ineos Grenadiers now. Although, I mean, I'll be honest, of the, I've got two transfers to Ineos written down here and they're not any of the three you've just mentioned. But in terms of time trialists, there's probably, you're right, yeah, there's not a better team to go to at the moment. They've A, got some very experienced riders on the team who can time trial well. And then there's B, Mr. 1% himself is now there. <laughs> B, big um. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, race engineer, whatever that means. Hopefully we'll be able to ask him someday. But that that move, the big um. Well, wait, go ahead. What, what, tell me which riders you've got written down to when you're uh, Fraile and Viviani. Oh, yeah, Viviani. I forgot yeah. about him. Viviani, that's just a weird transfer. I don't know why that's happened, but he's there. So It doesn't really make sense. And it, it yeah. goes in with a, a long line of sprinters that have transferred in this transfer window. Yeah, they've all... Uh, moved around, haven't they? I mean, Sam Bennett had to get away from Quick Step uh, because Lefebvre is, I think, uh, it's only five minutes ago. I said it is is an absolute nightmare of a man to work with. Yeah, it was, I think it would be fair to say that he was quite nastily publicly bullying him. Yeah, um, which is a good reason as any to get away from a job. And then there just seems to have been this merry-go-round of sprinters moving teams. Um, they said, well, Bennett has gone to back to Bora. Um, Peter Sagan has left Bora and taken his entire supporting crew with him. Uh, and they've gone to Direct Energy, I think, haven't they? Or Total Energy, whatever. That, yeah. Correct. And I've got a list then, of a few more. I want to see how many you can name. Uh, Pascal Ackerman has also left Bora and gone to UAE Emirates, who I think, I was going to get onto them later, they are the team who I think have done the best business in this transfer is there a transfer window? I don't really know how, what you'd describe it as. Uh, there's Viviani. We've already mentioned uh, Brian Cockard, the best sprinter in the peloton. Uh, Dylan Grunewig. <laughs> Mr. Consistent himself. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they've all gone. Uh, I don't know who else you've got there. I have got one more. Alexander Kristoff. Oh, yeah. Uh, who has gone to uh, the Concrete Kings themselves, Intermarchi, Wanti, <laughs> Goba, Materio. What a name that is. Oh, it really rolls off the tongue. Have you seen their jersey as well? It looks like um, some sort of Mexican football kit with about 30 sponsors on it. Well, I just don't know. People get excited about these jerseys. Um, and especially when it's like, oh, Intermarchi's jersey. Like, we know Intermarchi's jersey is going to be grim. <laughs> Everybody knows that. It's going to be some denomination of just like, 
a wall of sponsors with some like fluorescent yellow splashed on it somewhere. That's pretty. It's up there with you know like F1 drivers who are just walking billboards for about forty five different companies. So yeah, but we we accept it. It keeps the sport yeah. alive. It's what puts the money in the sport and keeps the races going. So uh, you know, if they want to have exactly. as many words as they is. can on that jersey, then go ahead. Because I will continue to call them whatever the name was three years ago that I remember them by. <laughs> um, I love how you mentioned about the Sagan and him taking the whole band to Total Energy. It seems to be just an accepted thing. If you take Sagan, you take everything else with you as well. Um, Including his, his brother. who I've Every never... <laughs> time his brother goes, his mum must, every time he moves, his mum must be like, well, Peter, if you're going to move, you know how it goes. You've got to take Juraj with you. Yeah. Um, so Jurad Sagan has gone as well. Daniel Oss, who I think is so tight with Peter Sagan that I imagine he's actually now involved in the Sagan family, Secret Santa. And then you've got all the sponsors as well. S-Works, Sportful, Specialized, everything, all taken on by Total Energy. Yeah, which is a huge move for them. That is a big step up as a team, I think. Yeah, do you think, right, do you think that Peter Sagan can return to winning ways and notably where it will matter for Total Energy? Uh, French team are going to want to get wins at the Tour de France. Peter Sagan hasn't won there since 2019. Do you think this could be the year? Uh, in a word, no. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, look, we would have said that last year about Mark's, uh, Mark Cavendish. True. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm always hopelessly optimistic wherever Cav's concerned, but I think we probably did say something along those lines and we thought that Sam Bennett would be the one uh, I th- we even, you know, in the weeks leading up to the tour, we were saying it'd be very unlikely that Cav would go there because he's definitely not good enough and Bennett which should be clear. And that's obviously not what happened. So I guess I th- it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens early season. I don't know if Sagan's got a classics campaign. And again, he might be trying to sort of reinvent himself as a rider as well because when he first came onto the scene, it was r- just unreal how he had the climbing ability and the top end speed and he doesn't quite have that anymore so he might i don't know if he'd just have to finesse his approach and concentrate on one or the other well he would end everything we, like, we we have conversations so often where it's like our oh, sprint is doing well at a grand tour will they make it to the end of the grand tour to keep their jersey whereas we never had that debate about peter sagan it was always like oh well you know he's going to win the green jersey and he's not going to struggle too much through the mountains well, that's it. The green jersey was never the only year he didn't win. It was when he got um, thrown out of the race for taking Cav out, wasn't it? So, yeah, I think Michael Matthews ended up winning it that year by default. Yeah, basically. And but in the last couple of years, Sagan has not been able to, you know, just wrap up the green jersey after twelve stages like he usually does. Yeah. Let me go back on that. It's probably not fair to say Michael Matthews won the jersey by default there, um, Michael. If you're listening, I'm sure you put in a lot of efforts in those intermediate sprints, and you deserved it fully. They also, you know, finished the Tour de France. Exactly. You know what? You, you can't be gifted anything until you finish the race. The race isn't over until you cross the line. Exactly. Let's move on to the Women's World Tour, Tom. And there are some very exciting moves there as well. Notably with SD Works, who have done some quite big moves. I mean, they, they've been forced into it really with Anna van der Bregen moving up into the, the director's role there. Um, they bring Lotta Kopecky and Marlon Rusa were the two I, I pointed out as being very noticeable ones. Um, that's them covered sprint stages and TTs really, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, as we know, Anna van der Bregen has been the best um, rider in the female peloton for quite a while now. And she's obviously a big loss to the team. And they just, again, much like Rowan Dennis and Tony Martin, they just seem to have brought in the, the ready-made replacement. 
Yeah, I think the, the what's interesting there is that that team is going to be a very interesting dynamic insofar as I don't know whether there's going to be a conflict between Demi Vollering and Lotte Kopecky for kind of sprint stage rights. Um, and likewise, maybe that means that there's kind of a shifting in the dynamics there that Demi Vollering is now going to take on that Anna van der Bregen leader role throughout the races. So she won't be sprinting anymore and she'll be looking for kind of like wins here and there, but trying to take GCs instead, like she did at the women's tour at the end of last year. Yeah, possibly. I mean, as I said, it's it's a good problem to have. You'd rather they were getting annoyed with each other and, you know, fighting over sprint rights when they're both on your team rather than competing, rather than not having one of them, I guess, if you're the DS. Um, you know, if you've got a selection issue between two of the best riders in the world, that's not the worst thing that could happen. I also think it's quite funny in the sense that at the end of last year, Anna van der Bregen and Demi Vollering, much of their plan was stopping Lotte Kopecky winning. Uh, and now they've got to help her win. Yeah, I mean, because there was that big sort of... Remember there was that, like, they, they, like the symbolic handing over? Oh, yes, it was... Was it Liège-Bastogne-Liège? Vollering basically sacrificed herself for van der Bregen and Flesch Wallone when van der Bregen was kind of struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next race, I think van der Bregen was like, right, well, I'm going to deliver this one for Demi. Um, two other riders on the Women's World Tour that I'm quite excited about, and mainly for the simple reasons, the fact that they're quite hyped up and we don't really get to see them race much in Europe, and we will now, um, are Sarah Gigante and Elisa Balsamo, who both step up, who both step up to the Women's World Tour. Um, Gigante was racing mainly kind of down under in Australia uh, and is now joining Movistar and Lisa Balsamo obviously the the world champion so maybe not fair for me to call her overhyped is moving to Trek and Trek I think is a really good team for just for riders they just seem to be having a really good time that um, it was a bit of a surprise when Balsamo won the world championship but you know if you win the world championship you, there's obviously some pedigree to you as a rider so it is will be quite exciting to see more of her on the main stage definitely yeah i think it was it was it was surprising but it wasn't undeserved in the sense that she she went on to then prove it she won a stage at the women's tour in the uk and was kind of there and thereabouts with with other races um at, at the front end so i think we'll definitely be seeing those rainbow bands in a lot of photo finishes this year yeah exactly once you get that breakthrough win it opens up a lot of doors for you I guess that's what breakthrough means. But <laughs> um, once you get that breakthrough in, you really start breaking through. Yeah, <laughs> and so it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, how she can build on that this year. Add a new team with a you know probably more responsibilities and just a renewed, not not a renewed, but a new, uh, new opportunity to just go and compete for more. Yeah, and I think Trek will give her give her the license for that. I mean, we we saw. I was actually reading in the roadbook recently that it, Lizzie Dignan wrote a little column in it or an essay sort of thing. Uh, and she was saying that on that day, Paris Roubaix that she won, she was not the leader that day. The leader was Ellen van Dyke. Um, sorry to anyone that was planning on reading that essay at some point. Um, and I think that shows just how versatile Trek are as a team in the sense that if something's not working out on the road, they will adapt and win. And I think, I mean, we see it with Elisa Longo-Borghini. She's given a lot of license to just attack whenever she wants. It's the way she rides. Uh, and hopefully we'll see Balsamo lighting up things kind of as Trek allowed them to. Yeah, I think they will. But 
I mean, in my view, I think SD works are just as tactically astute as well. And they've got, you know, an equal, if not better pedigree of riders. So I, def- I still think they're the team to beat. Yeah. And now they're going to have Van der Bregen in the car. So she's not going anywhere, really. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, Tom, are there any other transfers, notable or otherwise, that you, you wanted to mention here? Uh, yes, I did want to talk about UAE Emirates because I think they've made three or four fantastic signings. This is obviously going back to the men's peloton now. I just think to supplement uh, Tade Pogacar, who, who, as we know, can win Grand Tours on his own, um, they've added, well, they've added Ackerman. I don't really know why they've done that. But they've also added Joao Almeida, George Bennett and Mark Soler. But there's, there's been another one, David de la Cruz as well. And there was another one that they added that I was like, oh, he could be, he could do some work. Well, this is it. I think all of a sudden they've built, um, George Bennett was, is a great rider in that jumbo train for quite a while in between, I don't know, Dumoulin and Kreisweik and Sepkus, wherever. It's a stupidly good climbing team. That was about two years ago. <laughs> um, but they've now, and obviously we know Mark Soler is capable of, probably going after stages on his own but if he's happy to sit as a domestique they've they've all of a sudden put three or four riders in there who can form a train and take uh Pogaccio up the mountain in a way that you know in the same way that Ineos and Jumbo do but that Tade has never had that before he's always just been quite isolated yeah I don't know I don't know we'll see it's it's that's that is a very interesting team itself did you mention Jao Almeida as well I did yeah he's one of those as well that I I just have I like Joe Almeida and it's for the same reason I like Juliana Philippe and Roman Bardet, oh, which is that... If you when, say the word that I think you're about to say... It's not... It doesn't begin with a P. Okay, good. Carry on. Uh, it's not Panache. <laughs> um, he's one of those that when they're climbing really shows his suffering on his face. And I think as a viewer, that's something we love to see. That's why I used to love Tom Avokler. Yeah. Tongue out. Yeah. Swashbuckling. It's almost, as bad, it's almost as bad as Panache. <laughs> but yeah, it just Jawa made is one of those that you really see suffering on the climbs. And I, I, it's not a nice thing to say. Uh, and I know that he won't appreciate that. But um, he's not he, listening. He could be. You never know. I don't know how big we are in Portugal or the UAE and wherever now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think the, the UAE setup is interesting. Uh, obviously, they've set up a, a women's team as well now. So uh, they're obviously showing a big commitment to sport. Uh, or a big commitment of washing their hands with with the sport. Um, Something we're all for. Speaking of transfer windows, yeah, I mean, get, look, you get as back a, and check the Newcastle news after this. You as a Newcastle United fan, I'm not <laughs> sure you can start pointing fingers here. <laughs> um, I kind of expected when I, when I asked you at the top of this episode who your favourite transfer was, you you to be say something stupid like Kieran Trippier. He's the only one we signed so far, so yeah. Oh, what a difference he's going to make down at right back. Well, that's all right. Southampton are already throwing the toys out the pram about it, aren't they? So, anyway, Tom, a pleasure as always catching up with you. Um, do you want to do the socials? Do you want to plug our socials? Yeah, I'll give it a go. It has been a while, actually. Uh, but see if you, you can... remember. <laughs> I think it's seven letters, so it shouldn't be T T P D. See, it is seven. Um, yeah, you can find us at T T P D C S T, and that is on Twitter and Instagram. Correct. Um, we are hoping over the next month or so to line up a few guests before the racing really sets in. Um, but until then, Tom, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and everyone that's listening. Thank you very much for listening and lending us your ears and, uh, take care. Lending us your ears. And take (laughs) on that note. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) 